Good morning, Beijing, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jono. As always, we pay respect to the traditional custodians of the lands where you're coming from, the Gadigal people of the Oro Nation. On to another busy sporting week and weekend, Jono, and we'll start with football. Uh, it was week 16 of the Premier League, headlined by the return of Steven Gerrard to Anfield as Aston Villa manager, uh, but we'll go into a little bit more detail later on in the pod in regards to the Premier League. Also, Jono, by uh, this time tomorrow when this pod goes to live, we'll know the Champions League last 16 draw. Again, we'll touch on that a little bit later on, but... um. Potentially some big matchups to come out of that draw. Definitely, yeah. There's going to be some huge ones there. So really looking forward to this draw. Uh, in the Italian Serie A, some big results to come out over the weekend. Venicenza won, Juventus won, Udinese and AC Milan drew one one. Empoli defeated Napoli one nil, while Inter defeated Cagliari four nil to go top in Italy. In the Spanish La Liga, Sevilla defeated Atletico Bilbao 1-0. Osasuna and Barcelona drew 2-2. Real Betis destroyed Real Sociedad 4-0. While Real Madrid stayed top with a 2-0 win over Atletico Madrid. They are now 13 points ahead um, of their city rivals. In the German Bundesliga, Bayern Munich defeated Mainz 2-1. Bochum and Borussia Dortmund drew 1-1. RB Leipzig defeated Borussia Mönchengladbach 4-1. While Eintracht Frankfurt defeated Bayer Leverkusen 5-2. It was Major League Soccer Grand Final over the weekend, Jono, between New York City and Portland Timbers. And New York City have won their first Major League Soccer Championship after the game ended 1-1. New York City defeated Portland Timbers 4-2 on penalties. Valentino Castellanos opened the scoring for New York, and it looked like they would hold on in regular time before an injury time. Felipe Moray equalized for the Timbers to take the game into extra time. Uh, Alexander Callens converted the winning penalty for New York, as I said, to guide them to their first ever MLS Cup championship, Jono. So uh, a big result um, and a big win for New York City. Yeah, I mean, what a game. I mean, this is exactly what you want to see for finals, especially for a neutral spectator. You had everything there. You know, it looked like New York City was going to take this home. And then literally in the last seconds, we're talking tens of seconds of the, in the game, Portland somehow pull out. A late goal and then you, you thought it was over for New York City in the in the in the extra time it just seemed like they're gassed out disheartened um, and then anything could happen when it goes into a penalty shootout I mean some great saves as well um, so it was just exciting on all ends and it definitely kept you on the edge of the seat and congrats to New York for finally winning the MLS Cup yeah finally breaking through New York City so um, a great end to the year in the MLS uh, women's Super League over in England continued over the weekend Arsenal defeated Leicester City 4-0 so they bounced back after that disappointing Champions League loss to Barcelona midweek. Manchester City defeated Birmingham City 3-2. Reading upset Chelsea 1-0, while Manchester United defeated Brighton Hove Albion 2-0. So Arsenal remain top, uh, while Chelsea stay in second. Uh, Tottenham remain in third in the Women's Super League. The Isuzu Australian League, A-League here in Australia. Melbourne City defeated Perth Glory 1-0. Newcastle Jets destroyed Wellington Phoenix 4-0. Western United defeated Brisbane Wall 1-0, so Brisbane stayed bottom of the league. Melbourne Victory defeated Adelaide United 2-1 in entertaining clash in Adelaide, while MacArthur FC piled on the uh, pressure on Western Sydney Wanderers after they won 2-0, while Central Coast defeated Sydney FC 2-0. So MacArthur uh, stayed top, uh, followed by the victory, uh, while, as I said, uh, Brisbane Raw remain bottom of the table, followed by, surprisingly, by Sydney FC, who have had a slow start to the year, Jono. 
Yeah, Sydney definitely has a bit of a slow start there. And, I mean, we've seen this before as well, where some teams kind of start off slow. The A-League last year was absolutely crazy to start the year as well. So we'll see if um, Sydney can really start getting it, because these early losses can really have implications later on in the season. Also, the Melbourne derby uh, this weekend between yeah, Melbourne huge. victory and Melbourne City should be a massive game there in Melbourne. Uh, the women's A-League continued as well over the weekend. Newcastle defeated Wellington 5-1. Uh, but I guess even more importantly, it was Wellington's first ever goal in the women's A-League, obviously introducing their team in this year. So great to see Wellington finally scoring their first ever goal. Perth Glory defeated Brisbane Roar 1-0. Sydney had bragging rights in the derby, defeating Western Sydney 2-0, while Melbourne Victory defeated Melbourne City 2-1. Cricket and Australia won the first test match of the Ashes by nine wickets at the Gabba in Brisbane, Jono. Uh, the English, they started the game off pretty poorly after being bowled out for 147 on day one. Pat Cummings, the new Australian cricket captain, starring with five for 38. While in Australia's innings, Travis had an amazing 152. Australia went a little bit of bowler. Uh, England were making a fight back late on day two, and he came in and absolutely burnt them with some magnificent hitting and batting. In the second innings, Dawood Milan and Joe Root, Dawood Milan making 82 and Joe Root made 89, uh, added a little bit of resistance to the English uh, comeback. And for a bit there, they look like they might uh, take uh, make a significant little lead um, in going to that second innings for Australia. But as soon as those, both of those uh, wickets were removed, Australia literally rolled through the English with Nathan Lyons starring with 4 for 91, also grabbing his 400th test wicket. So, John, a great start to the series for the Australians. Um, in England, a little bit of improvement to go uh, before the second test starts in Adelaide on the 16th of December. Yeah, I mean, if you even, I guess it all just kind of goes back to even that day one. It just kind of set the tone. What the what the Australians were able to do is just set the tone for the series in general. Um, not only, not even just this first test, just the whole series. Um, and it was great to see, and it was great to see Pat Cummings as well. Like you said, come out to such a great start. Um, that's exactly what you want to see for the new captain. Get rid of those those uh, those jitters there that, that he might have had. And again, that might have even helped him as well, ball so well. So great to see that. And um, we'll see if England can kind of fight back now. Um, it seemed like Australia is just is just too strong in, in at least this first series. So we'll see how they keep on continuing. The English, though, should be welcoming back James Anderson and Stuart Broad for that second day-night test um, in Adelaide, as I said, starting on the 16th of December. The Big Bag, the big bash League also... Uh, kept going on over the weekend. Melbourne Stars defeated Sydney Thunder. The Hobart Hurricanes defeated the Sydney Sixers, while Perth Scorchers were too strong for the Adelaide Strikers. The Sydney Sixers sit top, followed by the Perth Scorchers and the Melbourne Stars. Well, Formula One, John, we knew it was going to be a drama field last race. Obviously, winner takes all between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. And boy, it did not disappoint with Max Verstappen winning a drama field Abu Dhabi GP to win the 2021 Drivers' Championship over Hamilton. Uh, the drama all, all unfolded on the final lap with Verstappen sitting 11 seconds behind Hamilton with only a few laps left. A Nicholas Lafty crash forced the safety car uh, onto the track with race director Michael Massey making a last-minute decision to allow some cars to overtake the safety car, which put Verstappen directly behind Hamilton. Hamilton was unable to hold off Verstappen as he took the lead on the fifth turn of the final lap. Mercedes did launch an appeal, uh, but it was rejected, and, and Verstappen was handed the win. But Jono, what a drama-filled finish to the uh, Formula 1 season. Oh, madness is, is, is how I can describe it, but... I mean, look, this was the season of all seasons in terms of just that rivalry as well between Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. Like, this was exactly what came down to this. It came down to something that had a bit of drama, had a bit of something as well, and that's exactly what kind of summed up the whole season. So I think this race in particular summed up that whole season as, you know, it had everything. 
Um, but just crazy at the end there. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. But congrats to, to Max Verstappen for pulling out the win. Yeah, sets it up for uh, should be an intriguing season uh, yeah, next year definitely. already. <laughs> so um, that rivalry continues between Hamilton and Verstappen. It was UFC 269 over the weekend. And Charles Oliveira defeated Dustin Poirier with a round three submission victory to maintain his lightweight title belt. But I guess the fight and the upset of the night was Juliana Penner causing a massive upset with a round two submission victory over Amanda Nunes, who many thought was unbeatable um, to claim the women's bantamweight belt. This loss snaps Nunes' 12 consecutive win fight streak, which dated back to 2014. So an amazing win uh, for Juliana Penner um, over Nunes, while Australian Tyre Tuavasa also won his heavyweight bout with a second-round knockout victory over Augusto Sake. NFL, John, week 14, um, we're getting really close to those playoffs, deciding who will make it, who won't, um, and some big results to come out of week 14. Yeah, of course, always some big results. And as you said, we're inching closer to the playoffs. I mean, this week as well, saw the first few teams kind of bow out of the playoffs. So we had the Jags and the Jets. Both teams, unfortunately, are not going to be booking a spot in the playoffs. They've had so many struggles this year, you know, getting only a few wins throughout the whole year. And, and it, you know what, sometimes this is better um, kind of just makes them where they're just going to fully focus as well on the next year. Um, it'll be interesting to see as well what happens in the NFL. Sometimes teams do start to kind of crash at the end of the season to make sure that their, their draft picks are a bit higher. Um, so we'll see what kind of happens with them in particular. But they're officially the first two teams to be bowed out of the playoffs. Um, this week as well also did see the Bills just have another bit of struggle. They were playing against Tampa, Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. Um, it looked like that they were going to come back to possibly take the game, but... Unfortunately, went into overtime, and Tom Brady just was too strong there at the end, throwing a last-minute touchdown there in overtime. But the Bills have really been struggling. At the start of the season, we did kind of pin them as possibly you know, one of the favorites to go to the Super Bowl, if not possibly win it. And they've had their struggles as of recent. And this is the worst time possible to have those struggles, as we've seen. The Patriots have overtaken them as well um, in that AFC standings, too. So it'll be interesting to see if the Bills can even now hold on for that wild card spot because they're they're not going to even be winning their division. And then lastly as well, Aaron Rodgers threw for big four touchdowns and a big win for Green Bay. Green Bay are definitely looking at one of the hot favorites to be making it to the Super Bowl, if not winning it. I think it's really these last couple weeks have really shown those favorites in terms of Tampa Bay, Green Bay, Patriots now as well. Arizona Cardinals are really those front runners as those favorites. You can throw in the Rams as well. But um, the Green Bay is definitely going to be a tough one. And Rodgers, I think, is even showing that he is definitely the best quarterback currently in the league. Um, just what he's able to produce week in and week out is just incredible. The NBA also continued over the weekend, Jono. And Steph Curry is on the brink of passing Ray Allen's three-point record in the NBA. Uh, while the Nets still lead in the East, while the Suns now lead in the West. Yeah, as you said, I mean, that's kind of been the big story is, is Steph Curry passing um, Ray Allen's records for most three points by a player. He has about... Seven to go if he wants to pass it, six to tie. Um, You know, he went into Philadelphia thinking that he might be able to do that, but the Philly team made sure that um, he was not going to be passing the record on their court. So it'll be interesting to see how these teams kind of defend against him on the three-point line because I don't think any team wants to be that one that he broke the record to because that will be getting played over and over again for the next coming months. Um, Another big thing kind of coming out of the NBA besides the results is that December 15th marks when... um, Over about 100 players will become eligible for trades. Um, The trade deadline is actually in February, but it will be really interesting to keep an eye on what players actually can get moved around. 
I mean, we see, you know, teams that are really eyeing that championship run, and will they be able to bolster their squads? It'll be interesting as well, and it'll be, um, it'll be another interesting thing to see who gets kind of moved midway through the season. I think transfers throughout the season are always an interesting thing to follow. Um, so December 15th, maybe some noise will um, start in the in the NBA trade world. We know the trade world always throws up some intriguing uh, storylines and um, interesting trades, so we're interested to see what happens there. Also, John, the NBL uh, continued over the weekend here in Australia. So round three of the NBL saw the Wildcats defeat the Bullets, while the 36ers defeated the Breakers, and the SEM Phoenix defeated Melbourne United. So SEM Phoenix sitting top, followed by the Hawks and the Wildcats. Well, John, as we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, it was English Premier League Week 16 this week. Plenty of um, plenty of uh, intriguing storylines. Uh, what were your main takeaways from Week 16? Yeah, I guess kind of starting off was um, with Leicester as well as uh, James Madison is just shining for Leicester. You know, without you know Jamie Vardy being on the pitch this week, um, he just showed that you know the class and, and what he's able to do, um, and he's able to really contribute to this team. You know, it's it's Leicester's had its struggles early on, are starting to maybe turn a little bit um, and maybe be able to, to slowly creep back up that ladder. Um, you know, preseason, I really pinned them as, as a hot favorite for that top four. Right now, I'm looking at them as Morris fighting for that Europa spot, but Madison is definitely going to be the key to their success. So he's, I think, showed some great, great form. We always say, that, you know, he's, he's a great player, but he, he's just shown some great form as of recent. And I think that this week really showed that as well. Um, and then as well, you know, I look at City, and I continue will say this, is that lack of that individual who just, you know, will put the ball in the back of the net. They have somebody who can score every single time that they bring it down the field. They look like they, they can score. But again, just the pure number of missed chances and missed open opportunities that they have. You know, I think you look at some of their players, and they can score 20 goals in a season if they really wanted to, but just comes down to the fact that they're not doing that. So they need that you know, equivalent to a Lewandowski, an equivalent to Benzema, that person who's up there that really just has that edge that as soon as you give it to them in the box, they are going to put it in, not put it over and not put it wide, but put it in the back of the net because I think they're really just missing that kind of hunter's mentality up there. And then lastly, I think it'll be really interesting um, with both Villa and um, United both citing that there's a particular, you know, a couple of players with some COVID. I think in particular... We've seen how it's hit Tottenham as well with their game yeah, being postponed yep. this week. And I think that for... United, this 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 could have some struggles because they're finding some form. Um, you know, they're getting the wins. As we said, very early on in a new managerial's career, you know, it's 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 going to be you know up and down performances. But this is when they need to find their stride. And if they have some hiccups with postponements of games, postponements of trainings, key players being sidelines, it could really affect them and their momentum that they're starting to gain right now. So I think it's. I'm looking at United more and how that's going to affect them over Villa and Tottenham play teams like that. But um, it's going to be really something to be interested in because the, the COVID cases in the UK are definitely on the rise. Um, so we'll see how that kind of all falls out. Well, United's midweek game against Brentford, Brentford could come uh, under yep. doubt uh, whether or not that gets postponed due to this outbreak in United. But we'll see how that story progresses. For me, Jono, uh, Stephen Gerrard's return to mm. Liverpool as Aston Villa manager. Uh, was probably the biggest headline out of the weekend. He got an amazing reception uh, yeah. when he came out of the, the dugout. Um, unfortunately, Villa couldn't get the result for him. Uh, Liverpool obviously just proved a little bit too good with that penalty to Mo Salah. Um, but great to see Stevie G get such a warm reception back at Liverpool. And, and who knows, uh, obviously everyone's talking of when he's going to be that Liverpool manager once Klopp's finished. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that progresses. 
Uh, Everton struggles continuing. John, I thought they might have turned a corner last week with that win over Arsenal. Uh, but again, a very disappointing loss to Crystal Palace 3-1. Uh, shout out to Conor Gallagher for Crystal Palace, the young English midfielder, mm. obviously on loan from Chelsea. Again, a starring performance. Uh, but Everton are really struggling, Jono, and, and obviously still missing Calvert-Lewin. So looking at where those goals are kind of going to come from and obviously leaking at the back. So um, Benitez continues to be put under a lot of pressure and obviously a busy Christmas schedule to follow. So we interesting to see where Everton are at the end of this year. Um, while the other big story was Arsenal captain Pierre, Emic and Bamiyang being dropped for disciplinary breach uh, after returning late from a trip, obviously with the COVID uh, protocols in as well. So uh, Mikel Atata coming out and explaining that he had been dropped because of that. So Jono, a few question marks around Bamiyang at Arsenal and, and whether or not uh, Arsenal, this is the time that they should cash in and, and sort of get rid of him out of the club. Yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of been someone who said that, that they should just cut their losses at this point. Um, with him because again the loss is going to come financially it's it, there's no loss on the field for me with him he hasn't been producing and now it sounds like as well off the field when you know if you're creating some drama off the field too that's just a no-no so if I were them he needs to go he need they need to cash in while they can while he's still a bit of a name and hopefully I wish him all the success in the next club if he does leave um, but if I'm Arsenal, I'm looking at trying to find somebody to, to offload him to. The biggest issue I think Arsenal will run into, though, is who is going to pay all that money. Yeah. Obviously, he signed that massive new contract, and he's 32. Uh, so what club would be prepared to take a risk and also pay um, his huge salary, regardless of how of what the transfer fare would be? That salary of his is huge, and there's not that many clubs in the world that, that would be able to afford it. So that's the other pickle they're going to find themselves in. But it'll be interesting to see how that progresses as well. Well, Jonah, the other big sporting story that continues to rumble on is uh, obviously around the Winter Olympics in Beijing 2022. Um, there's been a growing list of countries uh, that have joined the USA, including Great Britain, Australia, and Canada, um, who are taking a diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Winter Olympics. So what that means is athletes will still be obviously allowed to go and tra- uh, travel and compete, uh, but no officials will join them uh, in Beijing 2022. Uh, the boycott is in response to China's human rights violations and atrocities in Xinjiang, wherein the Muslim Uyghur minority um, have faced suppression um, and obviously been treated horribly, um, obviously in their minority group there, which uh, Mehmet Todi, a Uyghur Canadian activist, actually described as an active genocide. Uh, China has also cracked down on descendant voices in Hong Kong. We all know that's a disputed piece of land, uh, while forcing Tibetans into a sort of residential school system designed to strip them of their culture. So, John, just looking at, I guess, the diplomatic boycott on the surface of it, um, how important do you think this is for, for, I guess, definitely like USA, Great Britain, Australia, and Canada to take the lead on this and, and set an example in regards to standing up to human atrocities and, and saying sport, um, regardless of what the event is, uh, this can't still be ignored. Yeah, I mean, look, this is this is what we need as at least that first step. Um, this is that first step in there. And again, it's, it's what it is, is that these countries are taking a stance and just making sure that their voice and their opinions are known, that they don't want to put up with this with what is going on over there, that they're that they're going to take a stance among among this. Um, what would be great is to see, you know, all countries do this. That it's a uniformed approach in terms of doing this. So then, what that really does that sends a strong, strong message um, to the Olympic Committee and to the, the again. This this is more than just the Olympics. This is this then goes across all world sport and all different um, big tournaments. 
Um, and it would really send a bigger message, I think, that, you know, banding together. And as we see, more and more countries, I think, are kind of, you know, looking at this idea. And, and most likely, I think, I think we'll see more countries join on from now to then. Um, I definitely think so. I mean, when you have the big names, as you said, as even the US, the UK, you know, these really strong names leading that force, I do think that you'll see those other countries that have similar views step in and do the same. Um, but it'd be great to see that, you know, everybody kind of band together. And I think that this is this is the first step. Um, there, there's definitely other steps that can happen. But um, this is a great first step, at least to at least get get them get people talking about this you know that's that's what needs to happen and as aware. well yeah if if nothing is done then there's no there's no awareness there's no conversation happening so you know what at least now there's those conversations it's being talked about it's being talked about in the media it's being talked about amongst people you know this is where the conversations need to start and it makes people more aware of what is actually happening behind the scenes China has obviously come out and countered the boycott by stating it's it's violating the Olympic spirit while the IOC the International Olympic Committee um, has remained pretty neutral and pretty yeah. quiet on this issue, stating that obviously they've got that political neutrality within the in, within their organisation, meaning obviously they do not make any political comments um, in regards to, to anything like this. John, do you think a diplomatic boycott, though, will be able to affect real change, or do you think it needs to go further? And when I say further, do you think athletes also need to start beginning to take a stance? I know that puts them in a difficult position, though, because they've worked so hard to get to the position to compete in the Olympics. And for many of these athletes, it'll be the only time yeah. they ever do compete in the Olympics. Um, but what do you think needs to be done to actually make real change and, and make, uh, I guess, a difference, um, as well as sending China a strong message that their human rights records on these issues are just not acceptable? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, like I said, it would have to be, we want to see all countries essentially do this, would be the first point. That, I think, would make maybe some reasonable change to the future, uh, maybe a different view in terms of where these Olympics are held. Um, then, of course, it, it would just take until, you know, for the athletes to really make that statement. It would take for the athletes, but that would be so such a difficult discussion for these athletes, in particular when you look at the Olympics. Is it unfair to expect that out of our athletes? We've, we've raised these issues before is in terms of what do athletes owe us and what should they be standing up for? Um, is it unfair to, to expect them to also miss out on, on what is a dream for them because of obviously these human rights issues and issues that are sitting outside and much larger than sport? Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess that's almost dependent on the, the, the athlete and, and their view as well is, is their big, you know, athletic success worth more than what is actually going on and, and the horrors that is going on essentially and, you know, and all the negative that comes with this. Um, so I think in terms of even just looking into the future, you know, a political boycott is, is one thing and that could start this conversation, but it's, you know, it, it could, it might take until we said those really brave athletes to speak up against this, or it's even in the future as well, you know, countries banning together, or at least the power, let's call them the powerhouse countries banning together to say, and make us make a statement and say, we will not as a nation attend this next Olympic. So at least, you know, maybe it gives some more time as well. Whereas as there's as time to, to for the Olympic Committee to make that decision to pull Olympics from one country because of these records and then go ahead and make sure that we award it to countries that, you know, that, that don't have these problems kind of going behind the scenes. But um, yeah, it's just, I mean, what's unfolding is, is, is crazy, but I'm glad that it's finally being brought to some attention. And again, this should be an example 
for all big major major tournaments as well to make sure that this is an example that shows what needs to be done and what really needs to be thought through before awarding a country you know the the privilege essentially to host these tournaments and um, we really need to think through this decision from from top to bottom i guess what history does tell us though is when athletes do take a stance um, on a social issue it does have an impact look yeah. at colin kaepernick yeah. when he knelt and the whole black lives matter movement that was begun out of that athletes do have the power to yeah. change and also as you said bring an awareness to a completely new crowd that may not be aware of these social injustices and human rights violations that are occurring in a country as we know china is so closed in and in regards to them releasing information and, and sort of getting an insight into what's really going on, it's sometimes a little bit tricky to see um, or understand and hear what actually these people, are, how they're suffering within the Chinese government's regime. Yeah, and I think that the big difference as well is that, you know, you look at, let's say, political boycott, and the people that are really going to be talking about that are the people who are probably really watching the Olympics, are really involved in the Olympics, and, you know, and really understand everything that goes on with that. Now, when you talk about athletes actually boycotting, I think that's when you really draw on the casual viewers and you draw on that mass audience there. That's when things really can happen. So, yeah, I think you're completely right. It, it's the first step, but when you bring in the athletes and the athletes are actually taking a stance against this, that's when I think that real movement of change will happen and that awareness will then be across because that's when you bring in everybody who you know might casually take you know take a uh, look at the olympics and view the olympics that's when you those conversations are happening then across all streams not just the ones that are really involved in sport um but that's now going across everybody and i think the athletes definitely do have the power here but again that is that is such going to be such a tough decision because in particular when you look at the olympics you know these athletes are, are training all their life for seconds we're talking about seconds so it's going to take a really brave athlete to start that trend and i do think that once one or two do start that, I think there will be that domino effect. But again, it's going to be that first one, second one, to really be brave and really step up against this. Well, the same discussion has revolved um, or has been happening also around the whole Qatar 2022 yep. World Cup. So we've seen the same uh, issues brought up in regards to human rights violations and, and whether or not athletes are going to be brave enough to stand up and, and potentially boycott such a big tournament. What have you made of China's response obviously we obviously they've stated that they think it's uh, countering the whole olympic spirit of regards to sport um bringing everyone together and and sort of um being able to possibly act as something that can can help change these issues but uh china's response though has been pretty cold and, and sort of calculated i'd say in regards to the way they've reacted yeah it's just a deflection that i'm i kind of see them each time that they come out with a statement it feels like there's just deflecting what what is the real what's the real problem here? How about how about we look at what the real problem is and let's try and address the problem. Let's try and you know um, bring solution to the problem. Instead, they're just deflecting. Um, so I don't think that they've really come out with a with a strong stance, and, and nor do I necessarily expect it. You look at the history um, of of what's happened. Why why are we expecting um, a good response? You know, it's, it's it's sad that that's become the reality of it. Um, but yeah, every every single time that they issue a response, it just seems like it's a deflection. Um, just to, to try and not answer for what is really the, the issue here. Well, it's a story that I think will continue to rumble on all the way up to the start of the Games, which isn't that long away now. And as I said, it'll be interesting to see whether more countries join this diplomatic boycott and whether or not any athletes are brave enough to take a stance and potentially uh, boycott the Winter Olympics altogether. But as I said, it's a story that we'll keep uh, across um, and see what happens um, as we go into next year.
Well, as always, John, we'll end on a bit of a lighter note. Five quick questions um, I'm asking you this week. We ready to go? Let's do it. Let's go. Will Rafa Benitez see out the year as Everton manager? Uh, you know, I'm I'm someone who I want managers to kind of finish out and and, and given get given an opportunity. I would love to see that, but the problem is, is that it's that that you know that the style of play and it just seems like that they're just flat. Until he brings them some energy, even if there's some losses, we need to see some energy in the side, um, and I think that's going to be the determining factor. So if there's brought, you know, if the side, if, if Everton all of a sudden get brought to life, and even if they're not winning all the games, but their style of play increases a little bit, maybe he'll be able to see it out. But I think it's it's going to be tough. Well, this Christmas period is going to be crucial for yeah. them. So many games coming up. So we need to see where Everton, as I said, are placed um, at the end of that. Uh, does the F1 need to look at tinkering its rules so as to avoid the drama that occurred in Abu Dhabi? There's always been a lot of uproars continuing um, to come out of the race. What do you think? Yeah, I guess, I mean, possibly. Um, you know, I think the bigger thing would just be going back because I don't think that this this is the first instance this year even that there's been a lot of drama within these races. Um, there's been a lot of um, contentions there in terms of, you know, results and everything like that. So maybe it's even just taking a review and seeing, you know, how this year unfolded. Um, and what all led into that and those situations that kind of led to a lot of drama and just kind of reviewing that and seeing if there is the opportunity to change. Because look, as we see with all sports, you know, over time, um, rules do need to be adapted with the times as well. So there's the possibility, but yeah, definitely some drama this week. What's come out of, I think, has been confusion around the rules. Yeah. So obviously, uh, teams having different understandings. So it'll be interesting to see if the F1 do tinker with that uh, going yeah. into next season. Uh, will England bounce back in the second day-night test against Australia, or will Australia again prove too good in Adelaide? Oh, I mean, I'm just going to say it's just going to come down to the start again because, you know, you can't dig yourself that deep of a hole. They just dug themselves such a deep hole. Um, and again, that's all, you know, that's great bowling from, from the Australians. Like, that's what it was. So it just depends on how well they come out um, to start, whether they're batting or bowling. It really depends. Um, on their start, I think that's the biggest. That that's the key to success in these long test message uh, matches is is how you start because um, the the deeper the hole, the harder it is to come out. So it's going to be very dependent on how they start, and I think that will determine if they can get this next win. So we going Australia two nil or, in, or I'm, one one coming out. Of I'm, I'm going Australia two two okay. two nil. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but you can see the day and night, as I said, having Anderson broad back hopefully will help the uh, English bowling stocks. We touched on it before, so the Champions League round 16 draw, we will know by the time this pod goes to air, but what is your dream matchup in round 16 of the Champions League? Knowing, obviously, you can't play uh, teams from your own country. Yeah. Um, obviously, PSG, there could be a few tasty ties with those ones, but who would you like to see matched up in the round of 16? Yeah. You can. Yeah, yeah. I guess, you know, hopefully this comes true by the time this airs. Um, but I'd love to see, of course, PSG. It's got to be PSG against, and in my eyes, it's going to be Ajax. Because I'd love Ooh. to see big money go against small money. And I want to see Ajax come out on top on that. Um, because that would just be phenomenal to see the difference in, you know, it's not all about the money. It's not all about just bringing the players. It's about the quality of style. It's about manufacturing talent, basically, what they do in Ajax. Um, so it'd be, it'd be great to see it. But of course, I'd love to see PSG versus Real Madrid, Man United, all those other ones. But it has to be PSG against one of the big boys or something like that. There's definitely going to be one of the few of the big boys drawn. Yeah. Potentially Bayern, Chelsea is another one that <laughs> could come out of it. So uh, could potentially have some massive uh, matchups uh, in the round of 16. And last one, Jono, is the Penner win over Nunes the biggest upset in UFC history that you have seen or 
Biggest, close. biggest upset in UFC history. That's um, you know, I think uh, I'm gonna say no because I'm gonna say just because the hype around Ronda Rousey when she oh, yep, when she yep. was there. Um, when when that big loss against um, Holly Holmes, Holly Holmes, yep, yep, yep. yep. I would you say, yeah, yeah, I would say that's probably for me the biggest one right. in, in across men's, women's, everything. Um, because of at the time, Ronda Rousey was just such a big she was star. She was it. Um, so for that upset to happen, I think for me personally, that's still got to be the biggest one uh, that has ever come out of out of UFC. Full stop. Now that is a good call, uh, as he said. Uh, at that time, she was the face oh. of not only just in the female division, but also in the male. She was the face of UFC. Yeah. So uh, when she was brought down by Holly Holmes, yeah. I don't think anyone expected it. But as I said, a great win for Penner over the weekend. Oh, we can see uh, if a rematch comes yeah. out of that because Nunez, uh, she doesn't experience too many losses in her career. Well, that brings to the end another episode of Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jonah. As always, thank you for your support and good night.